welcome to Pleasant Grove Church, where Reverend Dr. Classy M. Preston is the pastor. A place where the Word of God impacts and transforms your life. Let's listen to a power-packed message already in progress. Say hallelujah. Let's say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let's say it. Hallelujah. I am not alone. He'll never leave you. No, he won't. lonely in the house? You feel need to feel the presence of Almighty God? Then you ought to start worshiping God and you will feel the divine presence of God. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. I am not alone. Lord, we are your people. And Lord, we come into worship with other things on our minds, heaviness of the world, 
trials and tribulations. But because you are God, you continue to bless us in spite of our worship of God or lack of. So right now, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you will remove all distractions from this sanctuary. I pray, dear God, if there is anything demonic among us that is not of you, that you will remove it right now in the name of Jesus. And we declare, dear God, that you will give us the privilege of worship, that you will usher us into your presence. And Lord, when you do these things, we will give you all praise, all honor, and all glory because you are worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You are worthy. You are worthy, oh God. Worthy to be praised. Worthy to be praised. I don't know about you, but I experienced two magnificent miracles this week because of God. I had a problem I could not fix. A struggle that I could not overcome because I wasn't physically present. But I stayed up all night, Monday night, and I prayed to God. And I surrendered the entire situation to Almighty God. Everything, oh God. I need you to fix this, oh God. And by 8.15 Tuesday morning, God had moved and removed the issue altogether. I don't understand. I don't understand why people don't worship God. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. There's no one like the Lord. No one like the Lord. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd, putting their money into the temple treasury. And many rich people threw in large amounts. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Now, all week, you know I've been thinking about having you come with two coins, all right? And I decided I wouldn't call Reverend Marlin for a basket. We'll just lay it on the altar. And I concluded that we need to practice giving so that we understand what it looks like. We need to practice what the Bible teaches us, Bridges, so that we can be in the presence of Almighty God. And then Jesus, calling his disciples to him, said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. Is your giving from your wealth or from your poverty? I found that the easiest way to be in trouble with church folk to start preaching about giving. That's how you get voted out real quick. 
because folk don't want to hear what's right. They don't want to. They don't want to hear what thus say the Lord when it comes to their pocketbooks and wallets. And I do not believe that it is good theology to make people feel bad. I know that it's good teaching to teach the Bible and nothing else. And I don't believe that it's right for pastors or speakers or anybody else to read the monthly report to the church. Therefore, we don't give many people that confidential information. Because giving is based on your relationship with God. And you have to make a decision if whether or not you're going to honor God with what you have been given or whether or not you're going to pursue your own agenda. You see, wealth is an abundance of valuable material possessions or resources. And we define wealth in many different ways, Bruce. Poverty is lacking a usual or socially accepted amount of resources. And as we look at this scripture and this text is that Jesus is saying that as we mature in our faith, we should challenge ourselves to follow instructions and examples of Jesus. Have I always been a tither? No. But I had a pastor who was strong enough to sit me down and say, "You, I think, Jay, you were in that meeting also, right? Doesn't matter what your condition is. Doesn't matter that your rent went up. It doesn't matter that your shoes have holes in them. It doesn't matter that you don't have money to go on vacation. It doesn't matter that you can't go to Macy's clearance sale. It doesn't matter if you can't go out to eat and put on your credit card food that you can't afford. What matters is we honor God with everything that we have. Jesus said we should love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, and all our strength. And then Jesus taught we should love our neighbors as we love ourselves. Pastor Joseph, you know, about five years ago, we did a study of stewardship, and we spent a full year in the Bible teaching what the scriptures say about giving. So I'm not condemning anyone, but I am bringing it to your attention that Jesus is watching. Jesus is watching. And Jesus said there are no commandments greater than these two in our lives should reflect God as our highest priority. Does your giving reflect God as your highest priority? Or does your giving reflect your lifestyle and the absence to give anything as directed by God. Don't get too quiet now because the truth is the truth, and we need to deal with our own truth. I'll never forget that in uh, 2003, I had meningitis, and I was really sick, and it was a long story. But anyway, I realized that God was telling me that I, had, I could not do a full-time job. I could not be a full-time pastor, and live. So I had to give up something. I don't know about you, but sometimes, Trustee Rayford, I'm a little stubborn. I go, Lord, I got this. Lord said, no, you don't. So whenever I get sick, I know what it's about. It's when God wants my attention to tell me that you're not what you think you are. So I went to Deacon Jay, and I said, I heard from the Lord. 
And the Lord told me to stop working and give everything I have to the church. Deacon Jay looked at me. He said, you need to go back <laughs> and pray again to be certain that you heard from the Lord. So I went back and I prayed again and I came back to Deacon Jay and I said, I heard confirmation from the Lord. And I resigned from my job. I didn't realize how much money I put, how much spending I did with American Express until I had to put it under the bed mattress. I didn't realize how many times we ate out and how many things I had in my house that I did not need because I would just needlessly buy things because it's cute. But what I learned about God is that God can do anything. So our income went from $8,000 a month to $1,500. My little Social Security J's. And you know what happened? God showed up in a powerful way. People gave us free vacations. And I was glad that I could cook because we ate more pinto beans and great northern beans than you can ever imagine. But what I'm trying to get you to see is that being obedient to God was a blessing to our household because we thought it was all about us. And God showed us, no, it's all about me and what I want to do through you. So I share that story with you not because I want you to pat me on the back. I share it with you because we have some robbers in the Lord's house. You don't have a gun, but you sure have a checkbook. And what we need to do is get our relationship straight with God because we cannot pretend. How are you going to sing hallelujah? How are you going to get up and praise God when your relationship with God is not intact? Because giving is an act of worship. Repeat after me. Giving. Come on. Giving is an act of worship. Giving is an act of worship. And I don't know why all of us have problems. Uh, I mean, Reverend Marlon, we need some courses on math, simple math and multiplication. Because we don't get it right. We need to understand. And then you have people say, oh, I got to give from the net, not the gross. You want your blessings from the net or from the gross? Come on now. You want God to bless you from the gross, but you want to give the net. And I discovered that life is totally different when we honor God and worship him through our service, through our giving, through our praise. And even if you don't think you have anything, then what you need to do is remember that God is still God. So get your two copper mites together and get rid of, I want you to just walk by and I want you to speak or say hello and start a conversation, but I want to practice giving in our church. I want to have a trial run at what it looks like when the people of God, because what this widow is teaching us is that I don't have wealth and houses and land and cars and money, but I have this. And I'm going to give the Lord all. How many of you would be willing to give God everything you have? I got nobody. Hallelujah. <laughs> How many of you will be willing to say, this is all I have? But you see, when you are in relationship with God, poverty does not look like worldly poverty. 
Because what I'm saying to you is that if there is no relationship with God, then you're living in poverty and you can't expect a lifestyle that's going to be filled with God's glory. Okay, it's time to get up. I don't need any ushers. I just need two coins, and I need you to give these two coins, and I want you to put them right over here. Somebody have dollars here. Lord, have mercy. Put your coins here. We're going to practice giving. We're just going to practice. We're going to do a trial run to see what it feels like. And Reverend Marlon, you can collect this. You know it's going to be a real big offering. All right. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Oh, you're looking good. Smile while you give. Come on, smile. Act like you're happy about it. All right. All right, all right. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Bible in the Old Testament, and some people argue that tithing is not appropriate in the New Testament, but Jesus does some other teaching. And Jesus teaches us that we need to always be aware of every good and perfect gift comes from God. Tithes often get confused with offerings, but both are very different from each other. According to the Bible, there are Tithing is 10% of your income. Simple math. You make 100000 how much does God get? Okay, that was good. You passed that. Okay. You make 200000 how much does God get? Hey, there you go. There you go. Remember that the land and all its fruits were given by God. It's our way of recognizing him as the provider of all things. Tithes are more than an act of recognition. It's also a way of giving thanks for all the blessings that you have received. And all of our income and everything that we have, our children, our houses, our land, our cars, everything that we have came from God. How many of us live in houses that are 4,000 square feet and we live in two? I know that's right. Hey. <laughs> tithing was mentioned in the Bible a couple of times, but the first set of tithing was done by Abraham. The second way of tithing or giving is the seed offerings. As mentioned, offerings differ from tithes. Unlike tithing, which has a required amount of how much you should give, offerings are more of a free will. It's up to you how much seed you want to give. So when I get a gift for my birthday, Connie, and it's a cash gift, I give that as an offering to the church, not my tithe. I don't deduct it out, but an offering is above and beyond your tithe unto God. Although the more you give, the more you will receive. 
we need to understand the harvest. So where should you give your offerings to plant your seed? The Bible says that the source of your spiritual food should receive your offerings. I know people who mail that check to Mississippi, but they worship here. And so what the Bible is saying, you need to be giving your tithe and offering where your soul is being nourished. And I understand when people tell me that mama needs some cash, but you also got to honor God before you give mama the cash. Because if you don't honor God, you might not have any cash to give mama later on. And then there are first fruits. are usually done once a year for every new blessing. How many of you have received a new blessing? A new blessing. Something you never had before. So your first fruit is that you give to your spiritual storehouse. I didn't make that up. Read Proverbs 3 and 9. Giving your first fruits once a year will show how grateful you are for the blessings you receive from him. Alms and giving. Number four, though tithing was commanded in the Old Testament, the New Testament tells us that we should not neglect the weight of your issues. Yes, it's good to offer a portion of our income to God, but we should not forget to offer justice, mercy, and faithfulness. We need to remember God's people and how much they need us, and we need to be present. And another thing that we learned from this text is that if you're going to give in alms, then you don't need to go out and tell everybody what you gave because it's a private matter. And unlike the other three types of giving, which should give us God's arms, are for humankind, your compassion and sympathy will lead you to help the less fortunate and the needy. And one of the things that I truly admire about Pleasant Grove Church is our willingness to help those who are in need. And we don't put it in the church bulletin to advertise. Most people do alms, many do it the wrong way. When we go to Chatham Forest to give out the food, we don't need to come back and talk about the people. We need to take them something extra, whatever we can give them, like Bridget. Bridget is over there evangelizing, trying to bring them to Jesus, and they're just trying to get a fresh fruit basket. I go, all right, Bridget. So when we practice all these types of giving, then you can have your financial life under control. Have you ever found yourself in a financial situation that you thought you weren't going to survive? And you had to make a decision, do I give to God or do I keep what I have? I don't know about you, but I've been there. And I have concluded that regardless of my circumstance, Reverend Bill, I'm going to stick with God. Poverty is living with a lack of resources. And what I have learned is that there are different reasons that people are in poverty. The lack of good jobs. The minimum wage hasn't moved in a long time. How can you live off of less than $8 an hour? That'll take you through the Wendy's or Chick-fil-A. I went to Chick-fil-A to order a kid's meal. And I said, I want the kid's meal with the six pieces. And she said, we don't have six anymore, it's five. I said, really? And she said, and by the way, the price went up. Hallelujah. <laughs> a lack of a good education, warfare, conflict, weather, climate changes. We're hearing about this every day, social injustice. So our social justice ministry focuses on the needs of the people around us who are living in poverty, lack of food and water, lack of infrastructure, lack of government support, lack of good health care, and high cost overall. 
everybody's complaining now at the cost of goods and the way that the prices are going. I never thought I'd see a loaf of bread for $5. And you go down and you want to look at the, uh, the paper towel, and that's $10 for six rolls. I go over to the Dollar Tree myself and get myself some paper towels so I can uh, give to God. I want to make sure that I'm doing the right thing. But you know what I also discovered, Minister Benita, is that there's also spiritual poverty. And many of us live with spiritual poverty, which means we live without the active presence of God in our lives. Consequently, we make decisions which are not informed by the Holy Spirit. And if you want to be wealthy, give your life to Jesus. It's simple. If you want to be wealthy, give your life to Jesus and do what you should do according to God's will. We think that we can negotiate God's word. No, no, no. It doesn't change because of your circumstances, because God's word stands. It takes courage to be a real Christian or believer of Jesus Christ. It takes courage to do the right thing. It takes courage to stand in this sacred space to say what thus saith the Lord. It takes courage to tell what thus saith the Lord. But I've also discovered that God will give you the faith you need to fight the battle. I love these four scriptures and the one in Deuteronomy 31.6. Oh, excuse me. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or in dread of them. For the Lord your God is the one who is going with you, and he will not desert you or abandon you. One of my favorites, 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. Hey, but one of power, of love, and a sound. If you don't give according to God's Bible, you do not have a sound mind. Am I saying you're mentally ill? No. I'm just saying that you are out of touch with the reality of what God is saying. Wait for the Lord, David said. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. There is no challenge we will ever face that we cannot get through with God by our side. And once we get into God's word and we really study God's word, Brianna, when we get in trouble, we will know how to call on the name of the Lord. In Mark 12, Jesus continues to prepare for his crucifixion by the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the scribes. And Reverend Bill, I was tempted to call you at midnight and said, I want you to be my Pharisee. And I'm on a Sadducee and a scribe, but I want some people who can gloat as they walk. And what they're saying is that the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees were walking around the temple looking like they were all that in a, bra in a bag of peanuts. They had on their long robes, Deacon Shireen. And they walked around. Church, Julie, just walk around one time. You come. You can be a Pharisee if you want. Okay, Morant, you can be a Sadducee. And then Ed, you can be described. Just walk around haunting and flaunting your power as judge. And this is what they did. And this is what they did. Oh, yeah, you're looking good. This is what they did. And Jesus was looking around and observing them. And Deacon Charles, they had not put anything in the basket. They were just floating around looking important. They were acting like they belonged. They were all they had it going on. 
But then Jesus said to his disciples, is that the Pharisees, the Sadducees, I got some Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes, don't you think? Hey. So Jesus as a threat. The world was listening to Jesus and not them, and they did not like it. They are afraid of losing their power. You ever seen somebody have their long robes on and they're saying all the right words with their mouth, but nothing comes out of their pocket? Their spirit is turned off and they do nothing for God. You ever seen that? How are you going to get up and lead us in worship when you don't worship? And so we worship through our giving. These is, that's an act of worship when we give. And we need to understand that one of the greatest events in the history of the world was about to take place, but the Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes are more interested in preserving their own power than they are in saving souls. Oh, but look at Jesus. The courage that there was a long scribe who said, I am listening to you and I want to do it right. And he went to Jesus and Jesus told him, look around you, all of this is going to pass away. But my word is going to stand. Hallelujah. And I really wanted to have this widow walk around, but I couldn't figure out who was my widow. So I decided I would just let somebody volunteer who's always wanted to be a widow in the Bible. I'm thinking that her head was out. Don't make me call you out now that her head was wrapped up. I'm thinking that her shoes were raggedy. I'm thinking that she had a pocketbook. She didn't have money for a pocketbook. She just had a little change purse on the side. And she walked into the temple. You see, well, we got to understand what we wear does not define our relationship with God. So it doesn't matter how much you pay for the robe. If you're worthless, then the robe doesn't mean anything. And what Jesus is saying here, I'd rather have your best than have you walking around like you important. The widow came. Who's my widow? Who knows how to come to the altar? I'm going to pick on Kelly. How about Kelly? Oh, I got my widow here. Come on, Kelly, you look like you could do this. The widow was going around the offering. Check this out. The widow, it was time to give the offering, and the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the scribes had already come Oh, Lord, have mercy. The widow is all decked out. So the widow came. This shows you that if you love the Lord, you can be a dressed up widow in the name of Jesus. And the word says, Reverend Rose, that the widow gave her offer. Thank you so much. It was two. Did you give me five? No, two is five. The word says that if they came around, you can go back. Thank you so much, Miss Widow. Did you get a promotion in the kingdom or something? And so the widow walked. She gave her offering. And after that, Jesus was sitting in the temple. And he was watching as she came by. Jesus is watching us, Eddie, when we come by. And what we need, I start to call this sermon, Jesus is watching you, but I didn't want you to go there thinking Jesus is a police officer, but Jesus sees everything. And the word says that Jesus moved over and he was observing their behavior. And he said to the scribes, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, you gave 
out of wealth. You didn't even give your proper portion. You didn't give what you should have given. And sometimes we get like that in the church. We give a little portion of what we have, but we're not giving from our wealth. And so Jesus said, yes, they had a $5 bill and a 10 and a 20, but that was not representative, Mr. Raymond, of their wealth. And so what Jesus is saying, get your relationship with God right, then you will do what's right. And he said, you're looking down on this widow, but she gave all. Come on now, she gave all. She gave all. How many of you have ever given God all that you have? Because Jesus said the first commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And if you're doing that, you don't have time to cheat. So Jesus looks at them and he said, you know what? I want you to know that the widow who gave out of her poverty gave out of her poverty, gave more than they ever had. So if God has blessed you, then what you need to do is realize that you owe God whatever God says that you owe God. Amen? If you get a promotion on your job, who are you going to give your first offering to? Are you going to give it to Neiman Marcus? Or are you going to give it to God? And so what Jesus is teaching is that when we give out of whatever circumstance we are in, God is pleased. And Jesus was also saying that we should not judge each other, but we should teach the word of God. And Deacon Colette, Jesus was saying, I'm watching. I started to name this sermon, Jesus is watching you. But I thought a few people might get upset and think we had extra cameras in the house. And so I decided not to call it that. I just wanted to raise a question. Are you giving out of your wealth or out of your poverty? And I don't need to know that answer. But if you're on vacation and there are people starving in Western Wake, then something's wrong. If you're eating steak in the ribeye that costs $25, $30, and there are people who can't get neck bones, something's wrong. If you're throwing away more food than you can eat in your house and people are starving in our community, something's wrong. If you have clothes that you can't wear because your hips grew a little bit or whatever and you don't bless the people who need clothing, something's wrong. And what I'm saying to you is whenever Jesus becomes the center of your joy, you are cognizant of the people around you. So God wants us to bless others with whatever we have been blessed with. I set up a boutique in my family room. I had bags, designer bags and everything. I made them myself. And I had names on the bags. And as I would go through my closets, Malik would come over and help me. I put clothes in the bags. I put shoes in the bags, purses in the bag. And it gave me such joy to find people to bless with the excess that God had given me. I just found that was a woman in the CVS. And I got to know her because she reminded me of all the coupons. And I decided I was going to go up there and bless her because she helped me save $10 here and there. And so every time I had a little extra, that's what my grandmama would say, I would 
put her bag together, but I didn't go in the store with the bag. I would go in the store to get her to say, come out here, because I have something for you in my car. And then she put it in her car, and everything was cool. And what I'm also telling you is that there will be times when Jesus will speak to you, and you need to respond immediately. There's a woman in Dollar Tree. I'm, I'm supposed to bless her. I know that. And every time she would see me coming, she would want to run because she knew I was going to start talking about Jesus. And the Lord told me that I needed to go back to Dollar Tree, which I did last week, and I need to give her a gift card or some cash because she looked all beat up because they don't have enough people to work in the store. I went back, and she wasn't there. And I go, God, I, I hope she comes back. She's a little old lady, too, and she looked like she is worn out. But I decided that I'm going to go back again and again, and even if she's not there, I'm still going to find this woman because that's what God told me to do. Is there anybody you need to bless that you're ignoring? Is there anybody that the Holy Spirit is bringing to your attention, but you are too busy? And so what the widow teaches us is not what you have, it's what you do with what you have. And if God can't trust you with $5, why should you give $500? If God can't trust you with $1,000, why should God give you $10,000? If God can't trust you with $12,000, I mean, come on now. I knew this would be a wonderful sermon. I knew I would get accolades all the way from the back. And I knew that my people would say, praise the Lord. Thank you, Pastor. You see, if you love your people, you tell the truth. If you love your people, you tell the truth or you ought to be fired. Because we don't have a process in our church that we say we want to see your W-2. But there are churches that I know of, if you're going to be a leader or a deacon or anything, we want your W-2. What does that suggest? I can't trust you? So I'm going to get your W-2. We trust the Lord. And so what I'm saying is get over the world. The world wants us to rob God. But we should have the presence of mind that no matter what we have, it all came from the Lord. Abraham, I want you to listen to this closely. It says that sometime later, God, this is in the 22nd chapter, tested Abraham. And he said to him, Abraham, and Abraham said, here I am. And then God said, take your son, your only son. I want you to fill in the blank what it is you're taking, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah and sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain that I will show you. Nicogenum, I read this several times. Because the word of God says that early the next morning, Abraham got up and he loaded his donkey and he took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. Abraham was old. Now, we all know that, right? This is only son, so we don't know what God's going to do in that body, but God can do anything because Sarah was old also, right? So early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. How many of you could do that? Your only begotten granddaughter. Your only begotten son, your only begotten husband or spouse or sister, how many of us would follow the instructions of the Lord? On the third day, Abraham looked up and he saw the place in the distance. 
And he said, Deacon Leonard, to his servant, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. Check that out. Abraham is about to sacrifice his only son, Lisa, and he has the nerve to stop and worship God when God has told him to give up his only son. He said to his servant, stay here. And then in verse number six, Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. Have mercy, God. He himself carried the fire and his knife as the two of them went together. Anybody in the house with children? Anybody in the house would be willing to take your child and put your child on the altar of sacrifice because God said so? Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, yes, my son. Abraham replied, the fire and the wood are here. But where is the lamb? For the burnt offering. And Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for this burnt offering. I'm reading this because I'm asking you, are you willing to do what God instructs you to do? Are you willing to follow the directions of the Lord? And when they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Have mercy, Lord. But the angel of the Lord called out to him, Abraham. You ever got a call from heaven? Abraham. Here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not do anything to him. This passage of scripture teaches us that God wants to be able to trust us. And there will be times when God will test us to be certain that we have our relationship in order. And then the Lord said, I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. And then Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by his horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. Can I get a with anybody know that the Lord will provide? Anybody can bear witness that the Lord will provide. Has God raised you up from your deathbed? Has God raised you up out of poverty? Has God raised you up out of the world? Has God given you everything that you need? Has God provided for you? Because I know that the Lord will provide. Can I get a witness? Will he do it? Will he do it? Will he do it? I know he will. I know he will. The Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. And God does what God does. The Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. I don't know what you need to give you the confidence to worship the Lord with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your strength. 
and all of your might. But I do know that when you begin to trust God with everything, what you have is not because you are brilliant. What you have is because God is faithful. And so what I'm saying to you is the best way to worship God is by giving according to God's word. And don't worry about what the world has to say. And I know the Lord will provide because God has provided for me over and over and over and over again. And I will always give God my best regardless of what everybody else has to say. So let's give God praise for all that we have. All that we have. All that we have. Come on, give God praise for all that we have. All that we have. All that we have. He is worthy to be praised. If any of you are struggling to do what's right by God, I just want to pray. Lord, we do not want to be like the Pharisees describes the Sadducees. We want to be like you. And Lord, even though we have desire at some time, we don't have the will to carry out your word. So right now I call for conviction, oh God. I ask, oh God, that you will shake up the spirits of your people and give all of us a desire to honor you with everything that we have. In the name of Jesus, Amen. If you are ready to give your life to Jesus Christ, we invite you to pray this prayer with us. And it says, Dear Lord, I admit that I am a sinner and there is nothing that I can do to save myself. I ask for your forgiveness. And you can do this if you are streaming. At this moment, I believe you alone are the one who bore my sins when you died on the cross and rose from the dead. Today, I turn from my sinful life and invite you into my heart. I will trust you and follow you all of the days of my life. Thank you for saving me and hearing my prayer. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. It is our prayer that this message will enlighten and empower you to do the will of God. If you have a prayer request or praise report or like additional information on Pleasant Grove Church or other recorded messages, come visit us in person or write to us at Pleasant Grove Church, Post Office Box 3603, Cary, North Carolina, 27519, or call us at 919-363-5198, or visit us on the web at www.pgc-carry.org. Thank you again.